Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. I'm so thrilled today to kick off my inaugural interview with John Lee Dumas. He's an avid entrepreneur. He's the founder and host of a daily podcast titled Entrepreneur on Fire. It's a podcast of highly motivating and inspiring interviews with some of today's most successful entrepreneurs. And what I find amazing is that he's only been doing this for about five months and he's already almost on his 90th interview. Pretty amazing. He's also a fellow veteran, a former army officer, four years active duty, four years in the reserves, and he served a 13-month tour in Iraq. So John, how are you today? I'm doing great, Rich. I'm happy to be here. I think this is a great podcast you have going on, and I can't wait to see where you take it. Well, John, you do such a great job interviewing entrepreneurs. Now it's time to turn the tables on you and learn a little bit more about you. So I've set the stage. So bring us up to speed. Tell us what brought you to this point of bringing this podcast to life and, and just bring me up to speed. Yeah, well, Rich, like you previously mentioned, I was an officer in the Army, uh, four years active, four years in the reserves. And after that time, I just tried a few different things in the civilian sector. I was in corporate finance, then residential real estate, then commercial real estate, but I never really seemed to hit my stride. And my last two jobs, especially in real estate, really had me driving around a lot. So I was always looking to better myself and consume good, targeted, passionate content. So I just fell upon podcasts as a natural, free alternative to the radio or radio talk shows. And I pretty soon found with the amount of time I was spending in the car and exercising or walking my dog, what have you, I was consuming way more content than there was out there. And I just said, wow, there's definitely a niche that needs to be filled of a daily podcast that's interviewing inspiring entrepreneurs, telling their story, that's motivating other individuals like myself, that's commuting to work every day, that's going for that run, that's doing whatever activity that you can consume audio. And so I set out in June of 2012. I started producing Entrepreneur on Fire, which, which like you mentioned, is a daily podcast where I interview today's most inspiring and successful entrepreneurs. Well, I think that, you know, I'm like you. Uh, I'm always hungry for information. I'm always reading, listening to podcasts, and you're right. And so I commend you for doing and trying to find uh, a capable of doing this daily. And I know from setting up the interviews, I got 25 interviews set up, and I know the work that's involved to get people to commit and the schedules. So kudos to you for hitting the daily market. That's really great. I got to tell you, you've been an inspiration for me. And if I can just, t you know, you and Andrew Warner specifically, you two were the last pieces of the puzzle that kind of inspired me to get this thing started. So thank you, Andrew. And thank you, John, for getting this, uh, helping me get this started and kind of help me get started down the entrepreneurial path as well. So it's definitely been an inspiration for me. You know, my pleasure. No, it's cool to hear about Andrew Warner because he was one of my inspirations when I started. And having him on my show was a little bit of an I've made a moment for me. So it's cool to hear that you were down that same path. And I'm honored that I could be a part of your journey, Rich. Yeah, and just a little bit of good news. Yesterday, I found Andrew agreed to an interview too. So I'm going to hit him later in the, in February. So All right. All right. He's great. Yep. Uh, you know, I'm a firm believer that we're all capable of being great leaders. And one thing I've found, especially listening, I, I've followed entrepreneurs, you know, for the better part of my life, but listening to your podcast and, and, you know, I've learned a lot and there's a lot of people I've never even heard of, which is another great reason for your podcast. But I'm also a believer, and it sounds like that the theme I get from a lot of entrepreneurs that um, 
entrepreneurship and leadership all have a lot of similar traits. Would you agree with that? What do you see some of the, the, the leadership traits that are required for an entrepreneur? Just like an officer in the army, if you are not ready to kind of take charge and lead the way and lead by example, nothing really is going to get accomplished. You really just need to kind of have that self-motivation. And it's the exact same thing in entrepreneurship. Nobody's really hanging over you, telling you to get out of bed in the morning, telling you what to do. You need to be able to organize your own day, your own thoughts, and motivate yourself to move forward. And that's just such a common theme with all the, in, with all the entrepreneurs that I interview, they're just people that really are self-motivated and really are driven by a passion to succeed. And those ingredients together and just that persistence and consistency has really just been great ingredients for success. You know, I don't think I really realized how much the Marine Corps taught me until I got out. I spent 10 years in there and I took for granted a lot of the things I learned in there. And I, the thing that surprised me is that a lot of uh, those ideas of tenacity, or like you said, of, of kind of lighting your own fire. When a lot of people think about the military, they often think, oh, well, it's just, you know, you got to follow these rigid orders. You got to do all these things. I kind of found that the uh, my experience as an officer kind of set the stage to be more creative, to think on your feet, to, again, aside from the obvious self-discipline, but morally, you know, being creative, trying to do more with less. Did you have the same experience? I mean, tell me a little bit about more about your experience as an officer. I totally had the same experience. I, at the age of 18, accepted an ROTC scholarship to attend Providence College in Rhode Island. And I spent four years there as a cadet, but primarily as a college student with just not much responsibility, a lot of freedom and I really took advantage of that and enjoyed my college experience to the max. And then when I graduated at the age of 22 and in 2002, I was commissioned as a second lieutenant in the U.S. Army and we were actually the first class that was commissioned post 9-11. So we were all very aware of what we were getting into and the fact that it was going to be a real tour of duty, so to speak. And then before you knew it, I was spending the, my prior days at Providence College, hanging out with my roommates and going to the bars and the basketball games. Next thing you knew, I was a platoon leader, an armored platoon leader in the 1st Infantry Division in charge of four tanks, 16 men with a ton of responsibility. So you go pretty quickly from zero responsibility to incredible amounts of responsibility, especially when you multiply that by the fact that I was deployed to Iraq shortly after my year of training at Fort Knox, Kentucky with that platoon. So not only was I in charge of four tanks, 16 men, but I was also in charge of their lives in a war environment. So a lot of responsibility. You really need to learn to grow up quickly and think for yourself because, again, you can't be that micromanaged in the military. There's just not enough people to do that for you. You need to be able to take the initiative and drive forward. And I know we can't exactly swear in on this uh, podcast, so I won't, but FIDO is a really big word for us in the <laughs> Army, which just means F it, drive on. Right. And that was just one of the major things that we always just said in Iraq, even when we were training pre or post, and we just really had to look at ourselves and say, listen, nobody's going to this, 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 uh, make this decision for us. Let's do it. Well, I think, you know, along the same lines, I think, the whole 75% solution is what the Marine Corps drove. Is like, look, if you, do you got 75% of the information? Well, if you do, use the other 25% of your brain, your guts, and your decision-making to, to, to get the ball moving forward. And I think that's lacking a lot in today's culture. Um, what are your thoughts on that? 
I totally agree. And my platoon sergeant said something to me that has always resonated with me post my military experience. And that was, Lieutenant, a good decision now is better than a great decision later. Perfect. And basically what I just took that as meaning is saying, hey, listen, when the bullets are flying on the battlefield, you just need to make a decision now. And it's hopefully going to be a good one. But if you wait to make a great decision, you're probably not going to be around to make that great decision. So why don't you just make a good decision now, commit to it, and drive forward with it. And I've taken that and I've utilized that in my entrepreneurial ventures post-military. And it was very successful entrepreneur on fire. I didn't just wait around until I had a great podcast or until I had a great business plan. I just had a good idea. I had a good business plan. I had a good podcast and I went forward and I've just seen amazing results since. Yep. I agree with you. And I think that, you know, listening to all the entrepreneurs that you've interviewed, that is probably the overriding theme of what all of them have said. Just go out and do something, get it done, get it started. You know, there's, there's just time is too short. And I think that's the biggest takeaway I've taken from your podcast, but I agree with you. That's probably one of the biggest things the Marine Corps taught me in the 10 years I was there. No, absolutely. And there's actually a Chinese proverb that I talk about every now and then on my podcast, which is the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time is today. And people really just need to realize that if they can just plant that tree today, start that wheel moving forward, even if they only have one hour a day, five hours a week, whatever it is, at the end of six months, they'll be amazed at the information and the progress that they've made. It's really something special. I agree. And I think that's been one of probably one of my biggest limiting beliefs. You know, I learned it later than I would like to, you know, because you can easily get caught up in regrets. You can easily get caught up in the fact like, oh, I wish I would have planned that 20 years ago, but you can't do anything about it. But you feel so much better when you start implementing that action, even though you don't have the, the complete formal plan. So I agree with you. So would you think that um, that army influence really was a catalyst to spark your entrepreneurial drive? Absolutely. It was the first job I had out of college. It was the first responsibility that I had really in life on a serious level. And it was really what defined my character and defined my discipline, defined my personality traits. Awesome. So who are your leadership heroes? I'm curious about that. You know, I, I just, I have so many because I'm such a voracious reader and I've even become more so one since I started Entrepreneur on Fire because every single episode I get another great recommendation of a book by another great entrepreneur and all the book recommendations are obviously phenomenal. One person who I've really been into for a long time and it's been even more so recently is Benjamin Franklin. I've always loved what he's been all about. His biography is just so interesting what he did, what he came from, how he set out on his own at such a young age. And it's kind of an unknown one just because he never was a president. Um, He obviously made so many incredible inventions and lived a long and illustrious life. But he really is kind of under the radar in a lot of ways. And I just got done interviewing Robert Greene, who wrote the book Mastery and the 48 Laws of Power and a couple of the New York Times number one bestsellers. And in his books, what I love about them, especially Mastery, is he profiles a number of really incredible historical figures and kind of goes into areas that you wouldn't necessarily know just from biographies or just from history lessons or history courses. And so I learned even more about um, Benjamin Franklin through this book, which even piqued my interest even more. And so I just can't say enough about the guy. I really 
love his attitude about life and just how he approaches every situation. Yeah, you know, that's interesting. I'll have to start looking at that. I, you know, off and on have been a fan of, of Benjamin Franklin and, and all the founding fathers for that matter. And someone I was, I, I'm interviewing a David Allen who wrote um, Getting Things Done. And I saw he was talking about the other day about time management. You know, he's big about how to get things done. And we're all complaining about how we don't have enough time in the day. And he actually did bring up Benjamin Franklin. He said, look, Benjamin Franklin had 24 hours. Mother Teresa had 24 hours. Leonardo da Vinci had 24 hours. And when you put it in that context and you look about some of those greats, you know, we're all capable of getting a lot, lot more done than, than what we give ourselves credit for. No, I just got back from New Media Expo by Blogworld in Las Vegas, and they asked me to speak there uh, mostly because of, of the success of Entrepreneur on Fire. So I was able to give a really cool speech about the progress of podcasting and the current state of podcasting to a really packed room of just excited people to learn about this topic and this industry in general. And that is just exactly what I was seeing across the board was just this excitement and this just knowledge and this desire to learn more about what was going on in the podcasting world. And it was just really exciting to say. Well, that is encouraging to hear. And I, I listened to um, Pat Flynn's podcast today where he talked a little bit about the same thing today. So t tell me a little bit more about that. Where do you think podcasting is going? I think podcasting is really at a rebirth, so to speak. Uh, Podcasting, most people don't know this, but in 2005, podcasting was actually the word of the year because a lot of people thought that podcasting was going to take off, um, or actually the word podcast was the Oxford Dictionary word of the year because a lot of people thought at that point, podcasting was going to take off and it just got pretty big. It was in the iTunes, Apple store, and a lot of people created a lot of, a lot of buzz about it. Um, and then it just kind of went into a lull and nobody could really understand why for quite a long time. And, and it's just recently had a rebirth. And now that it's had its rebirth, people can realize and identify why it never really took off in the first place. And that was because now we have smartphones, tablets, Wi-Fi everywhere. People can access the internet and their on-demand content from any place, anytime, anywhere, the four corners of the earth literally it's just very cool it's very exciting times and before it was a lot more difficult to get a podcast you had to plug into a computer you had to download it then you had to listen to it on another player you can stream podcasts this free relative content from anywhere now so i really believe that podcasting is going through a rebirth but really its explosion is because of those reasons i just gave and i think it's just going to be going forward i mean it's incredible when you look at the numbers of Entrepreneur on Fire, for, for an example, we're getting over 120,000 downloads every single month in over 100 countries. And it's that 100 countries that's really the exciting point. Like every country in South America, 90% of Africa, that's amazing. Eastern Europe, Western Europe, Australia, England. I mean, you pull up my demographics for my, for my statistics and you can just see blue everywhere, which denotes where my downloads are coming from. And it's just insane. It's really exciting. You know, and, it's, and you're right. In, in 2005, when podcasting kind of came about, and think about it, when did, and we were, I was, the guy I was working with the other day, we were talking about this, and I said, hey, when, when did the iPhone, you know, come on the market? He said, oh, I don't know, 2003. It was 2007. I mean, yeah. think about that. And think how much that has changed in just five years. It's just amazing. I mean, it's hard to go into a room of 20 people and not have 18 people hold up a smartphone. I mean, it's really gone yeah. to that point now. Yep. Let's go back to that. Um, we, we touched on it on the your service in Iraq. You, you wrote on your bio as reading, you said that you did 13 months in Iraq. 
and you said that was your most rewarding and challenging. Can you hit some of the points? You may have hit on some of it already, but can you go back? Is there anything? I'd like to know a little bit more about that. Well, when I first got over to Iraq, it, I was a platoon leader, and I, I was quickly designated as the QRF officer, which is the Quick Reaction Force officer. So I was given a fleet of not only Abram tanks, but Bradleys and Humvees, and my platoon's job was to basically be on alert and be on the ready to whenever there was any kind of situation or issues that were going on outside of headquarters, outside of our base, we reacted to it and we provided the backup. And um, I was out there from September of 2003 to October of 2004, and we're talking the Fallujah, Aramadi, Habaniya triangle there. So we were very much utilized and we saw a lot of action because of that. So I found that very challenging because, you know, you were really rolling the die. I mean, talk about high stakes. You don't get any higher stakes. So it was sure. extremely challenging because obviously we were going through these terrifying and difficult and scary situations almost on a daily basis. But at the same time, it was rewarding because you really saw the American soldier acting at the highest level possible because, right. again, the stakes were so high. And when the stakes are that high, it's just an innate human quality that adrenaline comes through and you really perform at your best because survival of the fittest. And so it's really kind of one of those things where, you know, once you start playing blackjack for $100 a hand, can you really go back to playing blackjack for $3 a hand? I mean, I think that right. it's yep. kind of an analogy that it's, it's an interesting one, but it's true. Um, and I think that's a lot of reason why you see some soldiers having a hard time reintegrating back into society because once you've played for the highest stakes in life, everything else just kind of seems right. not that important anymore. Like, does it really matter that the Boston Celtics lost a basketball game? Does right. it really matter, you know, that, um, I don't know, my favorite TV show is is no longer airing? I mean, things that, that seem to be kind of important just a short time ago really lose their interest. So. Again, that's a challenge in my mind as well, especially when you need to reintegrate back into society. So that's one thing that comes with um, serving at the highest level and, and, and you know honoring your country with the ultimate sacrifice of service. And that's um, a price you have to pay, but at the same time, you can just try to take away the positives from it because that's really all we can do. Well, guys, thanks for sharing that with me. That's that's interesting insight. You know, I've had a few. I never served in, in combat. I was like 10 years, and it was basically from uh, 90... Oh, let's see, 92 to 2001. Oh, uh, the um, glory. Yeah, when, you know, money was flowing a little bit more and, and, and is like in between wars, but, um, you know, deployed a lot. And probably the, the best thing or the most enjoyable aspect of leadership was, was having a crew. And I flew C 130s, so I, I went all, all over the world, but having a crew, being on the road, doing those leadership things and taking care of the folks. And again, you were at the highest level. You experienced it at a level I never experienced. But that's, would you agree that that's probably the, the biggest reward was taking care of the folks and, you know, doing what you could? As an officer, you know, I, we always learned it, it wasn't about me. It's always about them. Would you agree with that? It is. That's really how you need to look at being an officer in life. And, you know, you can really translate that to, to being the founder of a company and the CEO of that company. I mean, that's, it always comes with your soldiers first, your employees first. You need to look at everything from their perspective. And for me as a platoon leader of 16 men, um, you know, it, like I said, it was at the highest stakes. And, and that was, um, that was my job was to, was to take care of them and to, and to make sure that everything 
was uh, as safe and sound as possible and that, you know, things just went as well according to plan as we could. And that's why, you know, when you look back and you really need to honor those who did make the ultimate sacrifice, four of which were um, people in my platoon. So I really, you know, don't want to forget their their sacrifice or their service Absolutely. at the same time. So. Well, thank you for your service. I appreciate that. And um, I know... Um, I don't know exactly what it's like, but I appreciate that. I have a lot of veteran friends. One is, um, you can see a post of it on my website, a guy named Jim who was an Iwo Jima Marine. Oh, wow. And just an amazing story. Um, just You can't make this stuff up. And he was 16 when he lied and got in the Marine Corps. He was 16, 17, and 18 when all this happened. And you just think back, and like, what, what was I doing when I was 16, 17, and 18? I guarantee you I wasn't storming the beach in the, on Iwo Jima. I but, was a point uh, guard of my varsity basketball team. <laughs> right, you know. And what <laughs> was your It's right. And what was your biggest worry, you know, and you think about some of the sacrifices all these folks have made throughout all the years. So yeah, thank you for your service, John, and and for all the folks that served with you. Well, thank you, Rich. Um where do you want to take this entrepreneur on fire? I'm curious about that. I see you're creating Ignite Mastermind, which is very intriguing. Talk a little talk to me about that. Entrepreneur on fire is what I Put, pour my heart and my soul and all my blood and all my sweat and tears into. This is literally my business. Um, like you said, I'm, I am the founder and host. This is all I do. This is a 60, 70, 80 hour a week venture for me. This is what I do. This isn't a part-time gig. And my goal is to completely make this into a viable business to make the Entrepreneur on Fire brand a very viable brand. And I really want to make it into a full functioning business that literally is inspiring millions of people I actually just came out with a new logo today that um, does has the entrepreneur on fire logo but then below at the bottom it says inspiring millions because I really want that to be the overriding theme of my brand of my podcast of my business is that it's to inspire people and I just had MJ DeMarco of the fast lane millionaire on my show and his quote was if you want to make millions you need to inspire millions or you need to help millions. That's great. You can inter interchange those words. And that's truly what I have as a vision and goal for Entrepreneur Fire is to inspire and to help millions. And I, you know, I've by getting over 120,000 unique downloads a month, I'm definitely on my way there. It's just continuing to grow. Every time a new podcast goes out every single day, it attracts more listeners because that entrepreneur that was interviewed reaches out to their audience to share their journey and more people find out about it. And then just more people in general hear about podcasts, go to iTunes to organically search and they see Entrepreneur on Fire as a top 20 business podcast overall and they learn more. And that's why it's so important for your listeners to know when you are getting out there and starting something, you want it to be as high a quality as you're capable of producing because that's what's going to keep people coming back for more. Entrepreneur Fire is a very sticky product as far as when people get to it and it clicks with them, they're there for life. And I have listeners who have been there from episode one and I have people that heard about the podcast yesterday that went back and downloaded all 90 that I have out and will be Entrepreneur on Fire listeners from here on forward. Well, I'm definitely one of them. I think, you know, it's a great podcast. I hope to to join the ranks up there with you. I think, you know, obviously entrepreneurs and leadership can a meld, but I'm I'm searching for, you know, just leaderships in every aspect of life. Not every leader is an entrepreneur. I would say most entrepreneurs, successful entrepreneurs have to be good leaders though, or at least have good leadership qualities. 
And, I think uh, it's a great theme, Rich. I like your. I like where you're going. You know what I what the biggest thing I've learned from your podcast, and again, I've followed entrepreneurs for a long time. You know, I studied I, in high school. I was involved in entrepreneurship and all these other things. But what I really learned from your podcast and talking to these folks and talking to the Andrew Warners and and listening to Dane Maxwell and Pat Flynn and all those folks that we're familiar with is I think a lot of people on the outside not knowing about the entrepreneurship community, they tend to think, well, it's all about the money. But the interesting thing is all those successful ones, it's not so much about the money. It's about the journey. Would you agree with that? That's the biggest takeaway I've taken. 100%. And a question that I have on every single podcast is, have you had an I've made a moment? And whatever their answer is, I always respond by saying, are you enjoying the journey? Because I really... I'm curious as to how my guests, my interviewee, what they think about the journey and how they actually look at themselves in their business, in their milestones, in their I've made it moments along their journey. So I think that that's a great way to look at things. It's really been a theme of every one of my podcasts, and I think it's just a great way to look at it. You know, and, and what strikes with me is because I've said the same thing about leadership. I think, you know, when, when, I've talked to people, and I used to ask, and I, and I still do, when I give presentations, and I said, who in here considers themselves a leader? And it's funny how not that many people raise their hand. And then when I start asking the question, I said, well, is anybody here a parent? You know, maybe 85% of the folks raise their hand. Well, if you're a parent, you're obligated to be a leader. You know, you're <laughs> obligated. All of us are obligated to, to, to the call of leadership at some point in our lives. Um, and it's just not about entrepreneurship and making money or being the CEO or being the boss. Um, and that's another thing I took away from the Marine Corps is that all of us need to think and act like a leader. And um, it's, in the Army, I'm sure it's the same way. You, you know, you just you can't have all the decisions, all the leadership be centralized up to one person. It just doesn't work that way. And I think, th again, taking listening to your interviews, that that's the thing that I, I probably learned it a little too late in life. Um, well, I, I shouldn't say that. It's just I'm, it's never I'm, too late. It's never too late. But what I've really started to learn is that it is about the journey. And the same thing with leadership. You never arrive and say, "Oh, I'm I am the leader." You know, it's a constant <laughs> evolving journey, and that's the big thing I think I got I get away from interviewing your guests. And I love how vulnerable a lot of your guests are, and I think that is a key to your podcast. I think that's a beautiful thing that you do is you get some of that vulnerability and talking about some of their failures. No, that's my goal. That's why one of my very first questions on Entrepreneur on Fire is, tell us about a failure. How have you failed? When have you despaired? Talk about a challenge or an obstacle because I want them to know right from the very beginning and I want to set the tone and the expectation that this is going to be a podcast about revealing all aspects about being an entrepreneur, not just the great little shiny successes that these people have because they are successful entrepreneurs, we want to hear about the journey, and that's what Entrepreneur on Fire is about, is the journey, and that's one reason why I think it's really been able to relate and help a lot of people. Well, what about your leadership failures? Have you, do you have any that really stick out? Wow, yeah. I mean, I, I just love how every one of my interviewees always start off with, wow, I could just talk all day about my failures. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I mean, there's, there's no difference for me. I. As, as an officer in the Army, I mean, that's kind of one thing is you're set up to fail every single day. I mean, you're 22 years old. You're going to take over 
a platoon that consists of a 45-year-old sergeant who's been in the military, who's right. been in the Army for right. 25 years. He's from day one calling you sir and answering to your orders. And 75% of the rest of your platoon is also younger than you. I mean, sorry, is also older than you. And 100% of them have more experience than you in the actual armed forces. Right. So you are really set up to fail as a platoon leader, as an officer in the Army. But that's one, one way that it's such a successful program is because it is trial by fire. You fail, 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 fail at the beginning. And you're slowly learning from all these failures, from all these mistakes. And you had that support staff of those people who have the experience around you picking you up off the grounds or giving you the nudge in the right direction when you need it. So, I mean, I failed every single day as an officer in the Army and continued to improve all the way through the last day that I was in, which is when I failed and continued to improve. So the day that I left the Army, I was the best officer I had ever been. And if I had stayed, I would have continued to be so because that's just the mentality of being an officer in the Army. And then post-Army, I mean... I went to law school. I thought that I was gonna. I, I thought that law was gonna be a career for me. I, my father is a lawyer. I had other cousins and relatives who had uh, gone after that industry, and it just wasn't for me. I spent a whole semester there, and I did fine grade-wise. Like I finished the first semester and took all the tests and the finals and got A's and B's, but. I just knew that this wasn't for me and that if I stayed, I would have failed. So I moved on and then I moved on to corporate finance where I was very successful for the 18 months. But in the end, I decided to move away from that. And so I didn't continue going forward with that. And that's a failure of sorts. And again, the word failure is is kind of a tricky word because you don't, it has a lot of negative connotations. But one thing I always stress on my podcast is the, is the need to embrace failure that's because right. it's Failure is really what is pushing you forward and making you kind of strive to be a better person, a better entrepreneur, a better businessman. So I've failed all up and down the line. I continue to fail at Entrepreneur Fire every day. I force my virtual assistants to fail as much as possible, which was, which isn't difficult because I my virtual assistants are from the Philippines. <laughs> they really don't want to make me upset. And I just try to tell them, hey, I'm not going to get upset. I'm going to get upset if you're not pushing the limits, if you're not pushing the envelopes and trying to fail. So I embrace it and I just suggest anybody and everybody to do so. Well said. And I think the whole term embrace to failure is something, again, I was a instru uh, flight instructor in the military too. And, and that's one thing was told me early on when I was a student and I passed it along as an instructor. It's like, look, you got to get comfortable with them because there's never a perfect flight you know, everybody thinks, oh, flying, you got to be, you know, perfect. No matter what, every flight from a commercial, every single one, there's never a perfect one. You got to get comfortable with your failures and talk about them. They just can't be fatal failures, right? But you got to have. <laughs> and you can't talk about them. That's right. And, um, you know, but embrace them. I think that I love that part of it. And that's, again, another takeaway I got from your podcast. Have you learned anything uh, kind of surprising in talking to these folks in the last five months? Anything surprising? I mean, I've learned so much, most of which we've already talked about, just as far as starting now, embracing failure. Um, all of these things are just pounded over and over again in every one of these interviews. It's just that constant theme, and you just can't hear it enough in the different unique ways that people found their way. Uh, something surprising? I have to say what I found surprising was just how quickly most people rebounded from failure. Because for me, I used to take it very seriously and it would really kind of knock me back and I kind yeah. of catch my breath and kind of shake my head and then 
kind of psych myself back up, but it just seems like a lot of the successful entrepreneurs that I have just kind of have this rubber mentality where, you know, they, they fail and the next thing, the next day, you know, they're just going strong. Like it never happened. They have really short memories. Right. And that's another thing that I think is great. I mean, you need to remember the things you did wrong, but you just need to be able to forget about the things that aren't important for you to take forward. And they're able to do that and to keep their load light. Well, John, gosh, you are a leadership hero of mine. I'm glad you, um, how does it feel to be the first guest on doseofleadership.com? It feels amazing just because of the name Dose of Leadership. Like I said, I, I love the theme. I'm going to support your podcast in every way possible. I love the fact that you're a vet, you know, a veteran as well. That's just great. And I think you're going to have great things ahead of you, Rich. Right on. I appreciate it. Well, before we wrap up here, I just wanted to say the last thing is like, how do I, where, do, where can people find you? The best place to find me, my headquarters, entrepreneuronfire.com. I know it's difficult to spell entrepreneur. So if you just type in E ofire.com. That'll get you there as well. Um, obviously, I'm in all the major directories, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, any kind of pod, podcast device that you have. If you just type in Entrepreneur on Fire. Subscribe to the podcast. I'd love, I'd love for your audience to give it a try and see what they think. And um, Facebook, Twitter, I'm all over the place. I love it. And that's where you can find me. All right, John. Thanks again for, uh, for kicking off this podcast. Uh, we'll, t- we'll catch you next time. Definitely, Rich. Thank you. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.